0: Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It's Sunday, May seventh, twenty seventeen. I'm checking back in to to discuss some NBA playoffs. What's been going on? So the last time I checked in was Saturday of last week. I've kind of been doing this just about every Saturday now. It's a good solid timing, I think. uh, You know, with all of the activity that happens in the NBA playoffs, you know, there could be enough. To have a podcast every single night, but I mean, my schedule just can't afford to do it. So I'm checking in every weekend to kind of give you a recap and to assess where we are now. So that being said, we are now at a spot where today um, we have played three games in the second round conference semifinals for both the Eastern and Western conferences so that's where we stand let's start off with uh, one of my favorite teams and you know who I think is probably not going to win MVP but I always like to I would I would want to pick LeBron James as MVP let's talk about the Cavaliers and the Raptors so um, <clears throat> no big surprise I think as of last week we knew the Cavaliers had rolled the Pacers, swept them in four games. Then you had the Raptors fighting their way through the Bucks. The Bucks kind of gave them a scare, went up 2-1, you know, started to kind of uh, frighten them a little bit with, uh, you know, some of this Giannis play, but in the end, Raptors clamped down on defense, really got the Bucks to to grind it out with them, and the Raptors ended up taking the series in six, but... Uh, this year's Cavaliers-Raptors series has not been nearly as competitive as last year's in the conference finals. Uh, the Cavaliers are on fire. Uh, LeBron James is superhuman. Um, the Raptors do not have an answer for them. They're playing good defense. I mean, they are keeping it close games, but the Cavaliers are just, they're monsters on the offense. I mean, the offensive end and their ability to score, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, I mean, the fact that they just don't have enough pieces on this Raptor team to really slow them down and play that type of defense is crippling. You know, uh, the most you're getting out of them is, you know, Valanchunas is becoming marginalized. Damari Carroll's becoming marginalized because he can't guard LeBron. Um, you know, Corey Joseph is only going to, Corey Joseph and PJ Tucker are only really going to give you so much on the defensive end. And, you know, Here's here's a recap for things that for people out there who haven't been watching. Kyle Lowry went down in Game 2. All right, so now you lose Kyle Lowry in Game 2. He misses essentially Game 2 and Game 3. And uh, this Raptor team, I mean, listen, Game 3, it was a two-point game going into the fourth quarter until the Cavaliers just blew it open and, and just blew the, do- the doors right off the barn and won that game in the fourth quarter. And now the Cavaliers are up three games to none. They've got a Game 4 today. In Toronto. I mean, I'm thinking it's going to be a sweep. I was giving Toronto a little bit more credit. I thought their defense would be able to pull out a game at home. Not looking like it's the case. Um, and this Cavaliers team, I mean, it almost looks like, not that they're not trying, but it looks like this isn't even a challenge. I mean, uh, Richard Jefferson isn't even really getting on the court. Uh, the last couple of games, like I said, it got competitive to the end of the game, but by the end of the game in the fourth quarter, it was just. The the Cavaliers just ran away with it, and there was nothing else to be said. It's it's, I just it's hard to see another team even even competing with the Cavaliers right now in the Eastern Conference, and the only one I can think of is Boston. You know, I think Boston has the ability to give Cleveland a scare, um, but Boston's got you know they've got their own demons to fight with the Wizards right now. So I don't see. I don't see the, the Raptors even picking up a single victory. I think DeMar DeRozan has played some great basketball this series. He really has. I mean, in my mind, he sort of set himself apart from Kyle Lowry. Like, I think Lowry and DeRozan are the most essential pieces of that Raptors team. I mean, they're what make the team go. You know, guys like Serge Ibaka, you know, that they sort of all kind of complement the DeRozan-Lowry backcourt, but... With Lowry going down and DeRozan being able to consistently score at a high level, I mean, DeRozan is really the main blue chip on that team. And, you know, they're getting him to to kind of play hero ball a little bit, where at the end of the game, you know, all he's doing is just playing ISO a little bit and, uh, you know, being the only one who can take the shot, because as soon as he goes off the court, they really lose something. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to report with this series, aside from the fact that like, the Cavaliers still really haven't been thoroughly challenged on the defensive end. I mean, they kind of have, but their offense is still just able to outscore anyone. You know, I kind of almost feel like Boston is going to be one of their first real challenges, or or Washington, whoever gets out of that series. Um, but this whole, like, when are the Cavaliers going to be able to flip the switch, I mean... They haven't needed to flip the defensive end switch yet. They just haven't. You know, maybe if they play the Spurs or the Warriors in the finals, they'll they'll have to do something like that. But not right now. I mean, right now they're just still dominating. Um, so let's slide right into the other Eastern Conference series: the Wizards and the Celtics. So they've played three games. All the ho- all of the home teams have won the games. Boston is currently up two games to one. They picked up both games in Boston. Um, one of them being an absolute. Overtime Thriller, where Isaiah Thomas scored 53 points, 20 points in the fourth quarter, nine points in overtime, dedicated the game to his late sister since the game took place on what would have been her 23rd birthday. Very, very tragic. That's just, that's fucking terrible. That's really terrible. Just absolutely sad. And, I mean, game one of this series, he got his tooth knocked out. I don't know who it was. Somebody bumped, rammed their elbow right into his face, knocked one of his front teeth right out of his mouth. I mean, Isaiah Thomas has really, you know, gone through this. He's gone through this uh, this transformation as a superstar. You know, it's happened over the course of the season. We've seen it happen with him taking over in the fourth quarter and winning games by himself. There was a skepticism That when they got to the playoffs, he and the Celtics would not be able to replicate this success because there was that game at the end of the season where they got destroyed by the Cavaliers. And then you had them dropping the first two games of the playoffs against Rondo and the Bulls and going down 0-2 in their own house. Well, Isaiah Thomas has shown back up. Al Horford is playing some of the best basketball of his life. And of course, not getting any credit because it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Avery Bradley's playing good defense. Jay Crowder is hitting some shots, which I can't even imagine at times. And uh, now you're sitting in a spot where Terry Rozier is kind of a key um, rotational player for this Celtics team. And they get into, they get out of the first round. They get to the second round with the Wizards. And the Wizards, you know, this is a toe-for-toe battle here. This is definitely a back-and-forth, you know, <clears throat> one-for-one offensive explosion between these two teams, because these two teams go on runs. You see one team going on a run, you see the other team going on a run. You see one team going on a run, you see the other team going on a run. So Washington's always been able to kind of keep it a game, but Isaiah Thomas and some of that scoring power on the Celtics really has the, you know, they have the ability to kind of stretch it out and, and pull away. So I think you saw in game two, um, or not game, excuse me, game one, you saw the Celtics pull away towards the end of the game. Game two was where the the Celtics were able to pull away, but the Wizards were able to come back and tie it up. Game three, they went to Washington. John Wall and Bradley Beal did what they did. Now, we need to talk a little bit about John Wall. John Wall, probably one of the fastest point guards in the league right now, one of the best. He's playing amazing championship ball. Like, this is another situation where you sit there, you look at DeRozan and Lowry and how they're both studs on that Toronto Raptors team. John Wall and Bradley Beal are both, well... DeRozan and Lowry are both studs, but DeRozan's really the blue chip. Wall and Beal are both studs on this Wizards team, but Wall is the blue chip, okay? Let's be clear here. Wall's the guy who's scoring 45 points and having 10 assists. Bradley Beal, there's been a few games where Bradley Beal disappears, and all of a sudden it's sort of like he he shoots 4 of 15 and scores 12 points on the night. You know, that's not going to cut it when Wall is going out there every night and averaging upwards of 30 points and 8 assists. I mean, it's essential to have both of these guys clicking on all cylinders if the Wizards even want to have a chance of taking down the Celtics. And especially when you think about the defensive issues that the Wizards have. You know, this is a team very much like the Cavaliers hasn't heavily relied on their defense for much of the season. And they don't even have that deep a rotation. Like, once you get beyond um, Marching Gortat and and Jason Smith, who really, who actually hasn't even really been playing, he's been injured, they just got Mahinmi back. I mean, Eon Mahinmi just came back for Game 3 of this series. And then you've got Markeith Morris playing on a bum ankle now because he rolled his ankle in the first uh, game of the series. You know, once you go beyond those guys... The bench is not really there for Washington. You've got Boban you know, Bogdanovich or Barosjanovic. I don't know how the hell to say his last name. No, no offense to you, Boban. I'm very sorry. I haven't figured out how to say your name yet. You got Brandon Jennings. Um, and then it kind of gets a little thin after that. And then we got to talk about what happened game three. Uh, Kelly Oubre and Kelly Olynyk. I can't make this up. Two dudes named Kelly. Um Kelly Oubre got hit with a couple of really hard screens by it, it might have been it might have been Olynyk. At least the last time it was Olynyk. It might have been somebody else before that, but uh he got hit with a couple of huge screens and just really shoved Kelly Olynyk really hard, got thrown out of the game and now I believe they're saying that he's going to be suspended for game 4 as well. That's a I mean it's not a major blow because Kelly Oubre is not the the sauce that makes the Wizards go but he's a big piece of that team especially when you think about how much depth they have and how much they rely on guys like Kelly Oubre Jr and Otto Porter. You know, these are these kind of rotational wingmen who are not Beal and Wall but are essential to kind of making that sauce go like I said and losing Oubre for a game that could be the that could be the X factor that sort of shifts that game four. You know, if the Celtics pick up game four on the road, go up three games to one, you know, this might be a done deal. I have a lot of faith in John Wall, but I don't know if the Wizards have enough defense to kind of slow down that Celtics offense. Um and uh they haven't really found a solution for for Isaiah Thomas. I mean he's really amazing. He's really amazing. How is this five foot eight guy scoring as often as he is and and as prolific as, as he is at this moment. I I don't, I don't get it. Um, And, you know, uh, Brad Stevens has been able to figure out a way to kind of hide him on defense against the wizards. You know, I mean, I think they've, they've found moments when they put him on, you know, like an Otto Porter or a Kelly Oubre, and that kind of works for them. Um, And, you know, Otto Porter, he could score, but he, he can't score enough to take advantage of getting Isaiah Thomas get put on him in some of these games. So, I still think we're looking at a Celtics series win. I still think we're looking at Cavaliers-Celtics in Eastern Conference Finals with the Celtics being the home court. Wow, keep on that. The Celtics having home court advantage against the Cavaliers. I don't think it's going to matter too much to LeBron and company, but I mean, it's it'll be interesting to say the least. I think the Celtics are going to take this in, a <clears throat> um, I think, six games. I think six games. I think the Wizards are going to win game four today. I think they'll tie it up, and then I think Boston's going to handle it in the next two games. Uh, they'll come back. Pivotal game five in Boston, they'll take care of business, and I think they'll close it out in Washington. Uh, so that's my prediction. Uh, Cavaliers in four, Boston in six, and we're going to have the Cavaliers and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I can talk about them next week. So, all right. Before we get into the Was- uh, the Warriors in Utah, that one's going to be as just as simple as the the Celtics, um, or excuse me, the Cavaliers. Uh, Let's talk about the Rockets and the Spurs. This has been an interesting series. So um, the Rockets dismantled the Thunder. No big surprise there. Well, well, you know, big surprise for me. I picked the Thunder, but I mean, after, uh, you know, once it was clear that Russell Westbrook couldn't do everything on his own, I think it was pretty obvious that, I mean, Houston didn't even shoot well and they won in five games. The Spurs grind it out with the grizzlies they come out the other end and then they go into game 1 against the houston rockets and they get fucking blown out i mean the rockets everything that could have gone right for the rockets in game 1 went right for the Rocket, went went right for the rockets they went to san antonio they went to the at&t center they shot they hit every single three pointer they shot Essentially. Um, they were, you know, they were getting, you know, open looks. They uh, they were playing solid defense and they ran away with the game. I mean, they just absolutely dump trucked this team. They put 30 points, they had a 30 point lead at the half on Greg Popovich's Spurs. And I don't care who the fuck you are, even if you're, you know, Greg Popovich and the Spurs, it's hard to dig out from underneath a 30 point deficit, even at home. So, everything that could have gone right for the Rockets did. They took game one, and everyone started to get a little scared, started to be like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Maybe there's going to be a sweep. Maybe there's going to be five games. Clearly, the Spurs cannot keep up with the Rockets and the shooting. Well, that was a short lived tale. We've now played games two and game three. Game two in San Antonio, game three in Houston. San Antonio has pulled out both victories. Game two, San Antonio had the big 25 point win where they actually started going toe for toe and running back and forth with the Rockets. And And you know what? All of a sudden, the Rockets were not hitting as many three-point shots as they were in game one. Live by the three, die by the three. You know what? All of a sudden, when they're just not shooting 48% from beyond the arc, they can't really put up nearly as many points as they did in game one. The Spurs take it. But we cannot glaze over the fact Tony Parker is done for the playoffs. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't know if he'll be able to come back next year and if he does what is he ever going to be at 100% again? He tore, he ruptured his quad tendon, which essentially means he tore the muscle that's like in his quadricep. And he went down like a ton of bricks. I mean, it was just, it was the picture of an older athlete having a horrible, horrible leg injury where he's clearly pushed himself just way too hard over the years, and he went down. He couldn't even walk off the court. It was painful to watch. And this was all at the end of him having a spectacular game, too. I mean, a really spectacular game, too, that meant the difference between them winning and losing. Tony Parker, at the end of it, with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, goes down, and he's done. It was really just tough to watch. Uh, But Spurs pulled that game out. They're now they're out. They have no Tony Parker. They go into game three in Houston with, I think, DeJounte Murray playing point guard. Um, Patty Mills comes off the bench, played great minutes for them at point guard. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, like you saw them having to really, uh, you saw them really go deep into their rotation to figure out how to substitute and fill that void for Tony Parker. And I mean... Listen, Greg Popovich is an amazing coach, and this Rockets team, no matter how you slice it, does not have the best defense out there. And, I mean, Popovich made it work, man. He let those other guys get in there, and the big difference maker was LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge, all right, this guy was paid to essentially kind of be the heir apparent or not the era, but the, the the replacement for Tim Duncan, when they brought him in and gave him max money, there was a feeling like he was going to kind of take over the Tim Duncan role, fill in that power forward spot, be able to shoot turnaround jumpers. I, I mean, he has really struggled this season. He hasn't been nearly as prolific as he was last year. And I mean, it's kind of been overshadowed by the fact that the Spurs still won 61 games and Kawhi Leonard is playing better than he did last year. Kawhi Leonard is the guy who's improved and it's really kind of masked kind of the step back that we saw LaMarcus Aldridge take this season. So now that we're in the playoffs and we really need Aldridge to step up, he's struggled. And, And one of the notable things was in game one of this series, he only scored four points. I mean, it's really been bad. But game three, he steps up, he scores 26 points, the same amount as Kawhi Leonard. They led the team in scoring. I mean, he finally got his touchback, and that was a really big difference because this was not uh, – this was an um, – <clears throat> I think the score was – I think it was an 11-point game at the end, but it was much closer than that score actually says. And it really goes back to um, Aldridge stepping up and scoring combined with the defense. This was nobody else could score in that game. Uh, James Harden scored 43 points, but that's it. Nobody else really stepped up. You saw um, uh, Trevor Ariza scored 17, Clint Capella scored 12, and nobody else was in double figures. So when you have Ryan Anderson scoring four points, when you've got Lou Williams scoring zero points, when you've got Eric Gordon scoring very like single digits, that's kind of how Popovich is going to dismantle you, because now it's a situation where he's like, all right, fine, we'll let James Harden do whatever the fuck he wants, but everybody else has got to score against us and actually win this game, and you can't get them to. You know, when when <clears throat> when you when your shot's not falling anymore and the rest of the guys in the team can't hit them, all of a sudden it becomes, you know, the Russell Westbrook show starring James Harden, and it didn't work. And uh, <clears throat> if this series keeps going the way it does, I mean, my prediction... Of the Spurs and six is still going to be appropriate. I mean, I I was a little scared about my prediction of the Spurs and six before this series, but you know, after seeing games two and three, I still feel confident about the Spurs and six. I just I don't think the Houston has enough on defense to to grind out and win. You know, or uh, the the number of games they need. I, I just don't see it. You know, I see the Spurs. Really challenging Houston again in game four today and, and, you know, really pressing them to try to see if they can try to get a a victory out of this three-point shooting barrage, even though they don't want to play the same type of defense that San Antonio's playing. Um, Yeah, so I I still got to pick San Antonio in six. Now, uh, the last series on the docket is the Golden State Warriors and the Utah Jazz. So let's talk. So game seven. I think Game 7 was about to be played last week. I can't even remember who I picked. I think I picked the Jazz. Um, well, I, if I did, I was right. If I didn't, I was wrong. But uh, it was – I mean, it was – let's talk a little bit about Game 7. It was pitiful. Really pitiful to see the Clippers just just limp out at the end. You know, lose a Game 7 at home, not show their their ability to kind of stick it out whatsoever. I mean, Utah played great basketball and, and beat them pretty convincingly. Um it was somewhat close, but I mean, it was just—it was really disappointing to uh, t- to see the Clippers kind of put that sh- that showing out on their home floor in Game Seven, especially after they socked it to Utah so well in Game Six in Utah to force a Game Seven. But I mean, then you've got Utah going up against the Warriors. Listen, there's nothing to be said here. The Warriors are the best team in the league. I think I'm just you're Big fucking surprise! I think the Warriors are going to win the championship. I think they're going to sweep Utah because right now they're up three games to none on Utah. Um, uh, Kevin Durant um, has played this entire series. Uh, Golden State has been absolutely dominating Utah. Um, one of the larger stories with Utah is George Hill is out. George Hill got hurt in Game Two. He's now missed, or excuse me, he got hurt. I think in Game One. He's now missed Game Two, Games Two and Three of this series and that, and you see guys like Shelvin Mack are having to play big minutes at point guard. Um Raul Neto is playing big minutes at point guard, try to fill that void for George Hill. Um <clears throat> Joe Johnson has become very essential, oh, excuse me. Joe Johnson become very essential to the success of this Utah Jazz team, but even with Gobert back and playing, I don't know how Gobert is playing is, is as healthy as he is considering the injuries he had in round one, but Gobert is playing, Hayward is playing, it's still not enough for this Warriors team. Draymond Green is playing out of his fucking mind. There was game two, he hit like five three-pointers in a row before they finally slowed him down. Um, even when guys are having bad nights, it doesn't matter. Game three last night in Utah, in Utah. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson had terrible shooting nights. It did not matter. Kevin Durant scored 38 points. He was an absolute monster last night. They had no answer whatsoever for Kevin Durant. They tried to rotate onto him. They tried to slow him down. They just couldn't handle him. You throw big guys at him. Derek Favors, um, you know, Gordon Hayward, anybody. You throw anybody on him. They they could not handle him last night. And, you know, this was another game just like a game three of the Raptors and the Cavaliers. They're going into the fourth quarter, and it's a close game. The Warriors were winning by two points going into the fourth quarter. The Jazz were able to stick it with them. They were able to hang in there, you know. Even when one team would go up by five, they'd tie it. The other team would go up by five, they'd tie it. This was a close game. And then in the fourth quarter, the Warriors just shut them down and ran away with it. I mean, really went on a run. All of a sudden, one-point game. Three-point game, five-point game, seven-point game, ten-point game, and it's fucking over at that point. You know, Kevin Durant is hitting ridiculous fall-away jumpers. Steph Curry is getting fouled again and again, shooting threes, and I mean, that was all she wrote. It was really, you want to watch a clinic, you want to watch a professional team dismantle another team, look at the fourth quarter of game three against the Jazz and the Warriors. It's just... The Warriors are an unstoppable juggernaut right now. I think they're going to sweep the Jazz. I think the Jazz have had a tremendous season. I think they've got a lot of promise. I love a lot of the things they've done on their team. But, I mean, it's it's this is the Warriors, man. This is the team that's going to win the championship this year. Um, and then lastly, I'll say about the Warriors, Steve Kerr, again, having back issues. Um, last year, he had to miss... A chunk of the season because he was uh having surgery on his back and he was having health issues well that it has flared up again <clears throat> mike brown is officially uh coaching uh in steve kerr's stead uh mike brown the uh, former cavaliers and lakers coach if uh most notably people will remember mike brown as being the head coach of uh, lebron and the cavaliers before lebron went to miami well he is now the substitute coach for the warriors it looks like um Steve Kerr will not be back for this Utah series. I have a feeling he's probably if they get to the conference finals, which I believe they will. I have a feeling he's going to be missing for the conference finals as well. Um, which I don't know yet how much of a of a real disadvantage that makes that gives the Warriors because they're so damn good. Like you know they they did this last year with Luke Walton and they were still able to rip off like 24 wins to start the season. I mean I think it'll come I think it will be an issue when if if and when in my opinion I think it's going to be Warriors Spurs in the conference finals um when you see those two teams going against each other and when you see Popovich actually making coaching adjustments during a series like that not having Steve Kerr on the bench I think that's when it's going to come out because I don't have as much faith in Mike Brown's ability to coach as I do Steve Kerr. I I just, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Mike Brown, I'm sorry, no offense, but that's how I feel about it. I just think that, uh, you know, you don't have the same prowess on the bench as, as coach Kerr. And, um, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little interested and a little, a little, you know, hesitant to see, you know, what it's going to look like when they get to the conference finals. And all of a sudden, you know, Mike Brown has to make some critical coaching decisions at the end of a game in the fourth quarter with 10 seconds left. And the you know, Warriors are up by one point and the Spurs have the ball, you know, things like that. So, um... That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I think the Warriors are going to sweep. I think you've got the Warriors and the Spurs in the conference finals. I do think the I think it's going to be the Warriors and the Cavaliers in the finals all over again. And I think the Warriors are going to win. I'm just throwing that out there. We're going to, I'm going to break down the conference finals. We're going to uh, rip it apart. Talk about it much more next weekend. But right now, I mean that's that's how I'm feeling about it. That's what I see cooking. That's what I see coming together. I mean, the real question for me is going to be what's that finals going to look like. You know, we've got, to, we, this will be the third straight year of Warriors-Cavaliers. You know, Warriors won it the first time, Cavaliers won it the next time. How's it going to look this year? Because one of them's got to take it home. All right, that's all I got. Everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me on a Sunday morning to talk a little NBA basketball. Hope you enjoy today's basketball. Lots of uh, lots of uh, juicy game fours today. Um, should be exciting. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram, at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter, on, at SmithfaceJones. Um, email me with any specific questions you might have, at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. Thank you again to Don Kinnian for our Sam Sports Podcast theme music. Uh, and... Um, Enjoy some basketball. I'll be back soon uh, to talk a little bit more. And uh, uh, love to hear any of your thoughts. And uh, please, enjoy the NBA playoffs. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye-bye.